just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. Chris is off for the night. He'll be back later in the week, but for now, I'll be joining you and taking your calls at 508-996-0500. That's how you can get on. We had a pretty eventful show, I think, yesterday, and that's because a lot of eventful things went on uh, the night before on Beacon Hill. You had the 23-hour legislative session. You had uh, the dangerous bill uh, be debated and passed through the Senate. You had the um, marijuana, uh, the marijuana legislation that passed, the sports betting legislation that passed, the economic development legislation that was shelved, which means we may not be seeing the tax relief rebates, the um, the checks, the two hundred, the two hundred fifty dollar checks or five hundred dollar checks if you're a married couple fi- filing do- jointly. Um, you might not be seeing that uh, this uh, this year. Might have to wait, but uh, there was just a lot that happened, so there was a lot to react to. And we heard from Lisa Kashinsky of Politico. She was at the state house. All night. I think she left at 8 in the morning. She left at 8 in the morning and, um, you know, she was able to tell us basically why the economic development bill got shelved. Um, It's because of uh, this, you know, obscure law, 1986 law that hadn't been enacted, that hadn't been really used or talked about in, you know, 35, 36 years, but it's still good law that says, you know, this could trigger or, you know, if wages are depressed enough and there's a, a surplus in the budget, then there's there's going to be an automatic tax refund. Speaker Ron Mariano said that that's the law of the land, so we might see we might see those checks go out. Uh, I saw I saw candidate for Auditor Anthony Amori say if the checks don't go out that they should sue uh, the state government for the checks. And then we spoke with Mark Montigny, who was obviously there for the 23-hour session because he's a legislature, and he was legislating, 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 legislating uh, on, uh, you know, a number of things. There were things that, you know, got passed. There's things that uh, didn't get passed, and he, he talked about that for a bit, reminisced on some of the early days of his early days in the Senate when um, Whitey Bulger's brother, Billy Bulger, was president uh, and how things operated back then and sort of the power struggles between Billy Bulger and um, then then state senator, now our congressman, Bill Keating. I thought that was all really interesting, actually. I really appreciated that, Colin. Tonight we're actually going to have uh, Brian Glenn Williams. He's a professor from UMass um, 
He is a professor at UMass Dartmouth, Dr. Brian Glenn Williams. He's a professor at UMass Dartmouth. He is uh, a great local foreign policy expert. So I've had him on uh, previously to talk about to talk about the withdrawal from uh, Afghanistan. And uh, Putin, I had him on the week after, or the a few days after, Putin had decided to invade, well, after he had, you know, began invading Ukraine. And uh, he spent a lot of time in the region. You know, he, so he wants to talk, you know, he, he's coming on to talk about the, um, the recent, uh, the recent successful uh, attempt uh, U.S. assassination of um, uh, Amin al Zawari, who is was Osama bin Laden's second in command, uh, basically. So we're de- I'm definitely interested in hearing his thoughts on that. I remember when Osama bin Laden was. I remember when Osama bin Laden uh, was taken out. It's every bit of a do you remember when moment. As when 9-11 happened, I was a senior in college when Osama bin Laden was was um, was killed. I was a senior in college. It was late at night. And I remember someone hitting me up on uh, instant message on AOL instant message saying, hey, uh, <laughs> that's how long ago it was. Right. Hey, um, 11 years. Hey, turn on the news. Uh, something big's happening. I think, you know, bin Laden's. Uh, been been killed. I'm like, oh, interesting. So I turned it on. There it was. There it was. Obama came out. You know, remember he walked out to the, um, he walked out down that long hallway and then made that speech. One of the more iconic speeches of his career. Uh, I think Biden tried to recapture that the other night, last night, but it just doesn't, and it doesn't have the same weight, I guess, you know. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. There's a few. There's a lot of things I want to talk about. Um, I want to talk again about the Work and Family Mobility Act, which is the law that uh, allows residents, regardless of their immigration status, to apply for driver's licenses. Uh, because you know, I was just found some interesting statistics on it. Um, and I've said throughout this whole thing, you know, there's this repeal effort going on where everybody's going to uh, to collect signatures, and to repeal the law, right? They want to get it on the ballot so they can repeal the law. And I think the polling actually, the polling favors keeping the law, but really not by a lot. So if they do get the signatures, there's actually a real threat to, for this law to be repealed. Um, And I mean, I think it's stupid. I think all of their reactions to the work, the the opposition to the Work and Family Mobility Act, I think they're all emotional. I don't think they're actually rational at all. I haven't heard a good, like, I haven't heard a really good rational argument for the wholesale repeal of this law. And if you have one, I'm interested to hear it at 508-996-0500. But I haven't heard, like, a single one, just mostly emotional stuff. Like, I just feel like this is, the opposition to this law is just really just to be crappy to people who are here without an immigration status. It's really no other reason beyond that because, you know, I'm going to read some statistics on the 16 other states that have, that have decided to, um, that have decided to uh, allow 
people, regardless of residential uh, immigration status, to apply for their driver's licenses and the impacts it's had in those states. And they're not all blue states like it should matter, right? There's Utah, I think, as well as one of the states. So, and I believe Florida, too. So it's... Um, it's been broadly successful where it's uh, where it's happened. So five zero eight nine nine six oh five hundred. I also want to talk about a column I have on WBSM dot uh, com, which it's about the it's sports related, but you know it's about Bill Russell. Uh, basically, it's about the my top ten Celtics of all time. Bill Russell uh, recently passed on Sunday. He passed on Sunday. He obviously is one of the most, I mean, think really one of the most storied American lives that's ever been, you know, lived and documented, right? And, you know, he is a uh, 11-time NBA champion, really one of the guys that ushered in the sort of popularization of the of the NBA, um, was a trailblazer in the NBA, was the first black head coach and was a player coach, was a civil rights leader uh, in his in his own right. The Finals MVP trophy is actually named after him. It's called the Bill Russell Finals MVP trophy, which is kind of ironic because he actually himself never won a Finals MVP because it wasn't created until Finals MVP wasn't actually made created until 1969, and that went to Jerry West. And Jerry West won the Finals MVP and still to this day is the only guy to win the Finals MVP after losing in the Finals. But I want to talk about, because I know there's a lot of Celtics fans in the audience too, I do want to talk a little bit about Bill Russell's impact off the court and uh, talk about his, frankly, I think as an athlete, he was overrated. He, I venture to say, is the most overrated professional athlete ever. And I say that knowing, you know, he just passed, but he spent, he had a very long life of, of, uh, a very long and celebrated life. And people are going to reflect on his legacy and people are going to say certain things about how great he was on the court. And he was a great player. He was the best defensive player of all time. He, uh, he was mobile. Even for his time as a center, he was mobile. He could take the ball down the court on fast breaks. You know, he helped revolutionize the the fast. Well, he he helped Red Auerbach's revolutionary fast break offense with his ability to move up and down the court. Um, but a lot of people are ranking him in their top five, even top three. I've seen top two of all time. And to me, that's a horrendous ranking. I just, I don't know how you can possibly justify just based on his statistics just based on how he produces as a player i'm not sure how you can possibly justify a top five ranking really even a top 10 ranking of all time other than if you just say 11 rings you know you say oh well, he's got 11 rings okay so what sam jones has 10 rings right he played with bill russell sam jones has 10 rings and no one's saying sam jones should be in the top five or even the top 10 or even the top 30 or even really the top 40, right? Uh, John Havlicek has eight rings. He's a top 20 consensus, top 20 player, but no one's arguing for him to be a top 10 player. And he's got more rings than Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Shaq, Larry, Magic. Um, Bob Cousy's got six rings. No one's arguing for him to be in the top five, top 10, top 20, etc. 
So I think that when people talk about his legacy, they talk about the 11 rings, but, you know, he played on a team with what six at one point, I think had six other hall of famers, right? Uh, Tommy Heinsohn, John Havlicek, Bob Cousy, Sam Jones, with Casey Jones, um, it's his name, uh, Sanders. Uh, so, you know, like he was a great player, probably the best defensive player of all time, but offensively he was horrendous. He was a horrendous offensive player. He averaged 15 points per game on 44% shooting. Now this is an era where there's more possessions and people are, and he's a center. And so people are playing closer to the basket. He's playing close to the basket and only averaging 15 points per game on 44% shooting as a center in that era is pretty horrendous. It's pretty bad. He was a decent passer. He got like four assists per game, but he couldn't score. And scoring is always going to be more important than defense. You need to score the basketball. So scoring is always going to be much more important, given much more weight. And I think you look at when you rank the top five, top ten players of all time, there are players that excelled on both ends of the floor, right? Even in his position. Look at Shaq. Shaq was a superior offensive player, obviously. He was a he was a very good defensive player, but he was a world beating offensive player. You can't tell me you'd rather have Bill Russell on your team than Shaquille O'Neal. You can't tell me you'd rather have Bill Russell on your team than Wilt Chamberlain. Now people say, well, Bill Russell played with Wilt Chamberlain. You know, Bill Russell played Wilt Chamberlain and he beat him every time. Yeah, because he had six other <laughs> famers. Wilt Chamberlain didn't really have much talent around him. And when he did, I think he had one of the best seasons of all time in 67 with the uh, with the Sixers. So anyway, my my list is the top ten Celtics of all time. I rank them all. Um, you know, you can see the full rankings on WBSM.com. But you know, I have Larry Bird as like a lot of people are saying he's the you know again in their top five. I don't even think he's the greatest Celtic of all time. I think that's Larry Bird, and I think that's I don't even think it's close. I know there's people that are in the audience that have heard both. I've seen both Larry Bird and Russell play on a day-to-day basis. And I'm sorry, you can't tell me that Larry Bird is a inferior player to Bill Russell. I don't know at what. Larry Bird was an excellent defender. He was a multiple all-defensive team selection. He was uh, one of the most creative players that ever played the game. He was uh, his dribbling, his passing ability, his court vision, his... Uh, offensive repertoire, his jump shot, one of the best shooters ever. He, you know, people talk about Steph Curry, and obviously Steph Curry did change the game of basketball, but Larry Bird is the one that really ushered in the three-point line. It came in just as he, it came in just as he, um, just as he entered the league, and he was the first 50-40-90 player of all time, which is 50% shooting from the field, 40% shooting from the three, 90% from the stripe. He was the first 50-40-90 player of all time. He did it twice. And, I mean, he just did everything better, right? He wasn't as good of a defender, right? Bill Russell's the best defensive player of all time. But Byrd was still a great defender. He was still a great defender that made huge defensive plays in big moments. The steal against the Pistons in the conference finals, for example. But he was also a fantastic offensive player. He was well-rounded. He could pass. He could 
He could pass. He could take the ball up the court, right? He could shoot. He could score any way he wanted to. And he'd tell people, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm going to score right. I'm going to take two dribbles to the right, cross you over, and then I'm going to shoot and score. He'd tell people that. And they couldn't stop him. That's how good he was. He has three championships, right? Three to 11, right? And people say, well, he's got, a, he doesn't, you know, Bill Russell is 11. Okay. But Larry Bird had to play in an era with more teams, right? When Bill Russell played, you only had to play, basically, you only had to play two rounds of playoff games because you got two first round buys. So you only had to play two rounds of playoff games to win the championship. Two. One, two, and you're done. You won the championship. They have to play. Larry Bird had to play four. Everybody else now has to play four. Four. Now they're now it's four seven game series, right? It used to be five game series. So Larry Bird also play, had to play in an era where there was Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and James Worthy on the Lakers, Jamal Wilkes on the Lakers, Michael Cooper, Bob McAdoo, all on one team. He had to play them. Uh, you know, in, in three finals trips, right? He had to play them in three finals trips. He had to play Isaiah Thomas, the Detroit Pistons, the bad boy Pistons with Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars, Dennis Rodman. And to play them every year in the conference, in the conference finals or semifinals. He had to play the Sixers, to play the Philadelphia 76ers with Dr. J and Moses Malone. Dr. J and Moses Malone. The four 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 team, right? The one that almost swept their way through the, the playoffs in in the early eighties. So he had to play those teams. When Russell played, it was only he only had to play two series, and there were only eight teams in the league at the time. So and I, I want to sound like I'm, you know, rashing on the guy after he's died. But again, he's had a long celebrated life and a long celebrated basketball career. And I know there's a lot of people in the crowd, a lot of people in the audience that have seen him play. And I didn't know if anybody had an opinion on it, right? And if you do, you can let me know at 508-996-0500. Obviously, he's a favorite here in the Celtics. He's obviously a great guy with a fantastic and storied life and career. But you know, was a was a civil rights leader, was a trail, even really, it was a trailblazer for American sports. One of the first, you know, one of the first uh, black superstars in the NBA, right? If not the first black superstar in the NBA. You know, before him, it was George Mikan was the face of the NBA. The guy from uh, the, um, the Minneapolis Lakers, the center from the Minneapolis Lakers. He was the first black head coach in the NBA. And he was a player coach, right? He was himself in his own right a civil rights a civil rights leader. He got the Medal of Freedom from uh, President Obama. You know, there's a lot of pictures with him, him with civil rights leaders with you know Muhammad Ali. Um, he was definitely a transcendent figure in American culture beyond basketball, uh, beyond basketball and professional sports, but. You know, transcending, you know, he was an important figure in our, you know, our, our cultural development. So, but as a basketball player, he was frankly pretty overrated. I didn't think he was that good. He was obviously good. Again, he was very good. I think a top 20 player of all time, but a lot of people say top 10, top 5. Top two, I've seen top two, 
And to me, to say that and just say, well, he's got 11 championships, I don't know. That's not convincing for me. Because, again, you look at other guys. John Havlicek has eight, eight championships. No one's saying he's as good or better than Michael Jordan or LeBron James, you know, or anybody else that's, you know, a consensus top 10 player. Sam Jones has 10 championships. Bob Cousy has seven. Robert Ory has seven, right? Just because, you know, you're part of a you – know, just – just because you situation situationally, you know, you're able to uh, be in a position to win a championship like every year doesn't mean you personally, you individually are, are uh, one of the best players, you know, or the best player ever. It's just it was a good situation. There's a lot of talent in those teams. There's a lot of talent. And it didn't take as much to win as it does now. I think that's I don't know. I think that's where people really start to overrate Bill Russell as a player. Again, not as a person, as a civil rights leader, as somebody who, uh, again, transcended the sport of basketball, who even, you know, moved the sport of basketball forward culturally, right? Who even himself moved the sport of ba- basketball forward culturally, was an incredibly important figure, a definitely top three of three to five important person in basketball, top three to five important person in basketball. You know, if you want to say Mount Rushmore, people talk about Mount Rushmore as you put, you'd put him on there. It's not, you know, it's not, again, he was almost like a Jackie Robinson figure for the NBA. So in terms of, you know, having that type of, um, you know, having that 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 impact on the game. Yeah, he's the one of the again top five most important people, top three most important people. I'll even say right in in league history, but not one of the best players. But you can go to wbsm dot com. You can check out my full rankings of the my who my top ten Celtics are. If you agree with it, if you disagree with it, I'm definitely interested in in, in knowing. You can give me a call, uh, 508-996-0500. I think I got the 10 guys. The 10 guys that are there, you might disagree with the rankings, but I think the 10 guys that are there, I think you'll agree with. I think you'll agree with the 10 guys that are on the list. Like, these are the people that should be on here, but maybe they're out of order for whatever reason. If you want to, you know, argue with me about that, you can too at 508-996-0500. I'm also taking messages on the WBSM uh, app chat. If you want to send me a message, I'll read it. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll read it on air. But uh, give me a call. All right, we're going to take our first break of the show. When we get back, I'm taking your calls. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. Uh, Chris is out tonight. 1420 WB. To South Coast Tonight, I'm Marcus. Chris is uh, out for the evening. He'll be back later uh, in the week. For now, I'm taking your calls at 508-996-0500. That's how you can get um, on the program. So there is there's a lot going on, actually, tonight. So first of all, there is a friend of mine, actually, and uh, this is on Phone 107, uh, our sister station, Phone 107. Uh, it was a uh, column by, um, by Maddie Levine. And uh, a local MMA fighter, Connor Matthews, 
his brother is Trevor Matthews, who who I went to high school with and is chair of the Freetown Select Board. Uh, his father's Pat Matthews, a really well-known lawyer uh, in, in Freetown. Connor Matthews is fighting in Vegas tonight uh, for UFC. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's an opportunity. So it's, it's the Dana White contender series, uh, that's happening and it's happening soon. Actually, the Dana White contender series. Now, if Dana White is, you know, is the founder and president of, uh, UFC and Connor, I think has an interesting story. He is an air force veteran, air force special forces, so, you know, he jumped out of planes, did rescue missions, uh, did a lot of cool stuff, right? And he is an undefeated fighter. He's an undefeated fighter. I don't think any of his fights have lasted longer than like a minute. So, um, I he's fighting tonight against another undefeated fighter. And there's a lot on the line. You know, if he shows out... You can get a big break. That could be his big break. You get a contract from Dana White. Dana White will be watching. Uh, and I think he's just got an interesting story. You know, he served He served in the military. Um, he's younger. He's like 29, 30 years old, I believe. So he did some time in his 20s serving in the military. He was fighting. Um, he is undefeated. And I don't know. It's a big moment for him. But this guy used to jump out of planes. So... How can you be nervous when you when you jump out of planes? I used to I remember when he first started like doing the fighting thing. His uh we're hanging out was, we were like hanging out at someone's house and his his um his brother brought him brought Connor along. And I'm about, you know, again, I'm about 3 or 4 years older than him. And so and so are, you know, obviously my friends. And so he's like, oh, he's, he's fighting now. Why don't you try your fighting moves on, on, you know, some of the guys here? So he tried it on me. He tried it on uh, another friend of mine, but we're substantially, you know, at the time, a lot bigger. I mean, I'm still a lot bigger than him, right? But uh, a lot bigger than him and a lot older than him. You know, the difference between like a 14 or 15-year-old and an 18, 19-year-old is, you know, pretty substantial. And so, you know, he's trying to put us in, you know, his moves, his arm bars or whatever, and it wasn't working. But I reflect on that now and say I wouldn't <laughs> if he if he uh, if he wanted to if he wanted to do that again I I wouldn't accept his invitation for that because <laughs> I've seen some of the stuff he does and uh, it's pretty impressive so he's fighting tonight I'm really excited I'm really excited to see him uh, to see him step up I think he's gonna win. I think he's going to win. Again, this is a guy who's been in some pretty emotionally tense or very intense situations. So I can't imagine he's nervous. I think he's ready, uh, and I think he's going to win. So definitely looking forward to seeing the result uh, of that fight from uh, from Connor. And the other thing that's going on tonight is there's a Tritown Democratic Candidates Committee, and that's between – so you've got – uh, it's hosted by the Tritown Dens. You know the Tritown, Marion, Mattapoise at Rochester. There's people that are listening that are probably in the Tritown. Uh, and the candidates that are there uh, tonight uh, are um, Bill Strauss, who's the incumbent, obviously the tenth tenth Bristol district, my state rep, because I'm you know I'm a lifelong Fairhavener. So he's a my state rep in the tenth Bristol district. Rick Trapillo, who's a challenger, 
I've had them both on. Uh, I've had them both on air before. Both great interviews. Um, Rashawn, Rashawn Hall, who is a candidate for district attorney, and uh, he's running against Tim Cruz, the Plymouth County district attorney, and uh, Carlos De Silva is a candidate for Plymouth County commission, uh, commissioner. So they're all at the candidates' night tonight. Um, I'm interested to see how that wor- how that shakes out because um, you know. The 10th Bristol District and and the DA's race in particular, I, th- I think, are, are very interesting races this year, uh, particularly particularly the DA's race, um, because you have a longtime incumbent Republican, Timothy Cruz, going against Rasan Hall, who's an, uh, you know, a former ACLU attorney and is supported by Ed Markey, Ayanna Presley, um Andrea Campbell's got a lot of strong support in this race. So, uh, I mean, if they're willing to stick their neck out like that, I think they've got to think he's got a pretty good shot at winning. 508-996-0500. Good evening. Thanks for holding. Hey, good evening. What's up? Not so much. I heard your uh, your talk on uh, Bill Russell. Yes. Uh, I was impressed. Thanks. Thank you. Um, I'm wondering... What do you think about Pelosi going to Taiwan? What do you think the uh, the, the uh, agenda is there from her, from her point of view? Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. You know, I, I was I heard Barry talk about it earlier today, and I, I kind of agree with him with respect to like, you know, China doesn't want us to go there, anybody from the U.S. to go there, but the U.S. doesn't get to tell us what to do or the Speaker of the House, you know, what to do. Um, I think it's a way to try to undermine, you know, China's. Uh, attempted a foothold in the area, right? And so, um, you know, what the end game is, is, I'm not sure. I think that's basically what it is, is trying to, again, undermine them um, on, on a global stage to show that, you know, we can still do what we want without having to take, uh, without having to take cues from, from President Xi. Hmm. What do you it think? seemed to me like uh, Biden was trying to discourage Pelosi from going. He really didn't come out and voice support for a trip or anything like that it seemed like seemed like he was on the other side of the fence but didn't want to step on her toes that could be true (laughs) that that could be that could be true i didn't uh actually see president biden's response uh to pelosi going there um and that that in itself ought to be some kind of a statement right what the fact that he's he's not outright like outwardly supportive of it yes yeah, I mean, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's he might be, you know, it's the president, so there might be some, you know, tense diplomatic relations that maybe she's not privy to that he has to consider. I, I'm not sure. Okay, so if he's not really part of uh, the 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 impetus, if you will, of, of her getting up and going over there, then it then it it must be all her, so to speak. So that's why I'm wondering what is. What yeah. was what was the whole the whole point of it all from her point of view? I don't think that he was part of her thinking about going over there. I think that was all her, in spite of him, rather. And so I'm wondering what what people might think that was the uh, the reason or the rationale for her going over there. Yeah, I'm not beginning. sure. I'm not sure because you know she's again she's she can do what she wants. She doesn't have to take cues from Biden. She can do what she wants. I don't know if she has her own political end game uh with respect to i'm not sure i mean she's yeah, because it, it seems to me that 
if she's going to do a, a move of that importance and on the international uh, relations field, that it ought to be coming with the blessing of the president. Yeah. But she's a con- she's a congresswoman, and congresswoman they're not really. I think they're more in in, uh, in the area of uh, writing laws for the country and and what they call it, the power of the purse or something like that, spending and stuff. International relations uh, is supposed to be most well, mostly she can, she the can president. They can certainly it, it can, can be, it. but they can yeah, do like it. Anybody can. But I mean, it's not her role. Yeah, I mean, Speaker of the House, she's she's traveled. I mean, she's traveled all over the world. I remember talking to Congressman Keating. You know, she he went to the uh, he went to not Ukraine, but he went to NATO with her or the UN with her after um, after Putin invaded the Ukraine. So, I mean, as the Speaker of the House, as the chief lawmaker, really in the country, she's intimately involved with a lot of those discussions. Um, uh, about what what's happening on the uh, on the um, with respect to foreign policy. I mean, the House has a foreign policy or has a foreign affairs committee. The Senate does too, so they're not completely removed from it. But yeah, I agree. It's it's more in the State Department's wheelhouse. And if she didn't get the explicit blessing from Biden, it, it is interesting. Um, it is interesting that she made the trip. Yeah, I wonder wonder why. To make it short, I wonder why she why she did it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, she's not really giving like a, a clear answer on it too. I mean, she just said it's like, oh, it's now it's more important than ever to you know stand up for human rights or whatever. You know, it's like that that like boilerplate stuff. Um, you know, I, I do have that I do have that foreign policy um, expert, Doctor Brian Glenn Williams, on at eight o'clock. I'm, I'm definitely going to ask him about his thoughts on that. It's a little bit out of his wheelhouse, but I think he'll have a good answer. So I'll try to be listening. Thank yeah. you, Marcus. No problem. Yep. 508-996-0500. Yeah, that was interesting. You know, the last speaker of the house to go to the last speaker of the house to go to Taiwan is Newt Gingrich. Newt Gingrich in 1997 uh, is the last speaker of the house to go to Taiwan. And I believe at the time that was considered like a, you know, a, a bold thing to do. So that was the first. So again, the first time in 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 twenty five years, uh, a sitting speaker of the house has gone to Taiwan. And if you're not familiar, just very broad strokes, I'll paint about the China Taiwan situation. Is essentially Taiwan, uh, China, Taiwan. You know, essentially wants to be a sovereign nation. China has always. Uh, said that they have, they've never officially run the government there, but they've like expressed that they have control over Taiwan or expressed interest in having control over Taiwan. The U.S. To, the the U.S. relations with Taiwan have always been sort of very del very delicate too. Like the we've we've agreed to give Taiwan, you know, arms right and military. Uh, military equipment and stuff like that, but have never explicitly said, um, there's an exact term for it too, but we've never explicitly said we'll defend Taiwan if China decides to invade. Um, I it's, be, it's called something like something ambiguity. Like we're the U S official position on whether or not we're going to help Taiwan if China invades is, intentionally ambiguous for one reason or another. And I know Trump signed the, you know, the visit Taiwan act in 2018, basically that allows, you know, that, that allows for 
state officials, you know, like a like a speaker of the house, not allows for because people can do what they want, but encourages people to go visit um, Taiwan, right? So. I'll definitely ask him about that, Brian Glenn Williams. But for now, we're going to take a break, and I'll be taking your calls at 508-996-0500. That's how you can get in the show. Uh, this is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. Uh, Chris is out tonight. Listen to us live. Tonight, I'm Marcus. Chris is out for tonight. He'll be back later in the week. We'll be taking your calls at 508-996-0500. That's how you can get on. So, yeah. Um... So Pelosi's Pelosi's trip to Taiwan was interesting. Yeah, Biden's national security advisor gave this like incredibly like I want to say like it's a it's like a tightrope. It's like he's walking a tightrope. That's how the that's how the that's how the statement felt to me. It was like um you know like oh well we you know we uh you know other speaker of the house he's talking about newt gingrich speak a speaker of the house has visited taiwan before and there's been no consequences members of congress visit there all the time you know it doesn't change the u.s's approach to taiwan we would ask that china um you know not overreact right or or act with restraint so it it, it very much it was jake sullivan uh who was biden's national security advisor very much seemed like a guy who was really committed to fence walking this honestly it does feel it does read like that and pelosi was very clear like we stand in solidarity with the 23 million people uh in taiwan uh that uh, that enjoy democracy and the chinese communist party is you know as they've um you know basically as they've um you know, as they continue to be more aggressive with Taiwan, we will stand with them, something like that. Something to that effect. Uh, it was very, like, you know, the typical stuff. Like, oh, we stand with democracy and freedom. I don't know if that's going to... And, and, and Beijing said it's, you know, called it playing with fire. And basically said, if you play with fire, you're going to get burned. Pretty strong pretty strong statement. 508-996-0500. Good evening. Thanks for holding. Hey, Marcus. How you doing? Good. What's up, Tom? Well, I, I have a little different of opinion with Pelosi's visit. I saw no reason to poke him in the eye. I mean, after she leaves, you, you don't know what she's plan was to begin with. And now they've got an excuse to go in. And right. then what happens? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that, that that's a negative there. Uh, but I, I really was kind of dismayed at your comments on Bill Russell. Oh, yeah. I mean, different era guy. Well, that's what I'm. That's that's my point too. Is is that it's a different era. It's you know. He's, well, you were making points that Sam Jones had so many rings. Kuzi had so many. None of those guys would have had rings without Russell. And that's, vi- that's the big part. Vice versa, though, right? I mean, he wouldn't have had eleven without them. He wouldn't well, have he, 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 we don't know. We don't know. John what Havlicek the other was, would be. That team was so talented. John Havlicek was coming off the bench. That's how good that team was. That's how loaded that team was. I mean, obviously he's a great player, and he was the best player on those teams, for most of them at least. He was the best player on those teams, but to say that like he's a top 10 player because he has 11 rings, I just... You're comparing eras, too, and you just can't do that. I'm of the opinion that when you start talking about different players from different eras, it's just not the same. I think... 
Well, here's the thing. I, and I, I agree. Havlicek supporter, believe me. I agree. Yeah, Havlicek's a great player. I agree, but I think that great players would be great in any era. But Bill Russell's the one player whose game doesn't translate. It just doesn't. Like, Wilt Chamberlain's game translates very well in most eras. And so does John Havlicek's, really, or so does Bob Cousy's. But Bill Russell feels more like a Ben Wallace figure, right? Well, like, it, it, it's, it's the idea of the game, too. You played the game. I played the game. Mm-hmm. And, and the idea being that he understood it was a team game. And that that's yeah. what allowed that team to rise to the top. When Chamberlain, it was just Chamberlain. You know, right. and that, that's that's a different kind of player. If I had a choice between Russell and Chamberlain, I'm going to pick Russell all day long. Oh man, yeah, you know? mm-hmm. yeah. Well, look look at the matchup. Look what he did with him in the matchup. He destroyed Chamberlain. He... And, and, and that defensive prowess that you talk about was finesse and the fundamentals of the game. He had down pat. Now again, different era. To me, best player ever, Michael Jordan. Yeah, top second, Jabbar. Okay, and then then you start thinking about how LeBron James is a better player than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Sorry, just in every way, never, never, in every never. way, in every way. Statistics, maybe he's a hog. Jabbar is a better. He's player. a hog. So LeBron led the league in assists. This, this, this is this is where you and I differ. Jabbar was a team player. LeBron so, is LeBron a, led the league in assists. He averages, I think, eight assists per game for his career. He is he is the opposite of a ball hog. He he I, actually gets I, he actually gets too much grief for not uh, for not taking sh- uh, enough shots. Oh I disagree with you. Okay, we'll disagree on that one. <laughs> but you you want to put him up there? Go ahead. He's uh, he's just history, a better player in every way. He's just a better player history, in every way. If you if if you're just gonna go statistics, fine. You know, and you can argue that. Till kingdom come. I'm saying a basketball player. I would rather I would pick Hondo on my team before I pick LeBron. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah, I would. I would because Hondo's a winner. So was LeBron, LeBron James. Le- LeBron tries to win. What do you mean you tries know? to win? If he's so great, how many championships has he got? Four. Four. That's it. That's it. How many? Georgia Larry got? Bird has three. You saying he's not a winner? Yeah, Larry Bird is a winner. Larry Bird, I see Larry's a great player. And by the way, Bill Russell came to New Bedford a number of times. I don't know if you know this because you may not be old enough. But Father Duffy from St. James Church had intramural Boston Celtic games at the Kennedy Youth Center. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah, It was unbelievable. My brother yeah. was a ball boy one time, and he's got a picture with Havlicek. I used to play, the, I used to play at the Kennedy Youth Center. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had see, a, let's see, my brother had to be, I guess, 11, so that would have been maybe 19, wow, 1960-something. But, yeah, there's got to be, some people have to have pictures of all that. So yeah. when they all came, you know, Casey, Sam, and, and, and the rest of them. And, uh, but, yeah, anyway, all right, so that's the Celtics. We love Bill Russell. I'm going to disagree with you. Yeah, that's Just fine. for the sake of argument. Okay. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. All right, we'll take this break. We'll be right back. Why should you download?